you cannot hate yourself then. Meaning, you cannot beat yourself up and expect to get positive results. So that's why today, I want to talk about guilt and shame. After you have maybe eaten a little bit more than what you have had planned for yourself. The amount of times that I felt out of control around food. I would eat everything in sight, hide all the evidence of it, have the worst stomach ache, and just start banging my head against the wall saying, why do I keep doing this? What is wrong with me? And the intense guilt and shame that I felt every time. It was such a painful and vicious cycle. Let me know if you can relate to this. Until I finally implemented and understood the process that I teach my clients in my program, I struggled. And then I learned a process to overcome it. It wasn't luck or anything like that. It wasn't diet pills, but it was a process that I had to follow to change my eating habits and how I looked at food and how I felt about food and my emotions around food. And that's exactly what I teach in my program. So when it comes to that moment of shame and guilt, what we have to do is start from the very beginning. And what I mean by that is you prevent the shame and the guilt by managing it from the start. And by that, I mean you have to plan on urges and cravings being there. You're human. It's in our nature. We need to eat to survive. And to our brain, that reward of food is tied to our survival. Because in ancient, ancient times, this is the process that kept us alive. I mean, it still does. But back then we had no, or food was a lot more scarce. And so because we have an overabundance of food now, that process in our brain isn't really working for us so well in this modern in our modern day because we have so many man-made pleasures today such as highly processed food like sugar um even alcohol and drugs are the same thing because they create that um hyper reward effect on our brain and like unlike the beginning of time we don't need to fight for to eat anymore and back then we needed that high desire for food because that is what has kept or that what, that's what kept us alive. Um, and that's just, that's how our brain is wired. That is a, if you think about it, it's like the primitive part of our brain is what's causing us so much struggle today because it's rigged for our survival. Um, that high desire for food is what used to keep us alive. And now it's not as important before we needed a high desire to get us motivated to go out and fight to eat. But now we have food everywhere. So you see, the way that our brain evolved is it provided us that reward, dopamine, when we did things that allowed us to survive. So an example of this would be eating, staying warm, reproduction, even things like accomplishment and connection, those things give us give our brains that dopamine hit and motivate us to continue to do those things. 
And that is what has kept us alive and our species alive. So all of those pleasures give us that dopamine. The dopamine releases and that is how we stay alive. Anytime we eat, dopamine releases. And if and the thing is, when we don't do those things, um, because our brain wants that reward, it gets a little bit upset. And that's why we start to have a craving for it. And what we have done today now is a huge problem because all of those rewards and what we have done to it is it has we've made it very, very concentrated. So it's like they've hijacked our brain today. We have taken things that occur naturally and would provide a little bit of a dopamine reward and we have completely concentrated it, such as sugar, drugs, alcohol, all of these things that we have in our modern day is a concentrated source of that pleasure. So before we would find maybe a berry in nature that got gave us that little bit of dopamine, but now we can have a spoonful of sugar, <laughs> candy, I mean, not like we're going to eat sugar, but like you eat a candy and that is a completely different uh, dopamine rush to our brain than say a berry. So what our brain does is it's associated that if a little berry can keep us alive back in the day, now it has this huge rush from sugar that it associates that we need to get more and more of that sugar because that's just going to keep us alive forever and ever. So our brain will prioritize having that over anything else. And I mean, this is exactly what happens with people who get addicted to drugs and alcohol. Is our They completely hijack our brain to make us think that we need it or we will literally die without it. Now, when that happens... It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your brain. It means your brain is healthy because it's responding to reward as it should. But this is also why it's so hard to eat less, especially highly processed food because it's such a high reward to our brain. So our brain, we have our brain constantly saying, we need to get more of that reward right now as soon as possible. So the thing is, now we need to be conscious enough to override thousands of years of our brain development. We need to use our highest thinking human brain to override our survival brain. I like to think of it, um, I mean, if you, like, if you look at the side view of a picture of a brain, it's like the survival brain is on the bottom and then our higher human brain is on top of it. It's like that's how the brain evolved over time. Um, so it's like as if we started out as like as animals, the lower survival brain, which is very similar to an animal's brain. And then on top we've we have our human brain. That no like no other animals have that the same brain. So it's like our higher functioning human brain is just overlaying that lower animalistic primitive survival brain which is built for survival so this is the key we need to learn how to manage that part of our brain it's like another analogy i like to think of is you need to think of it like the lower brain is a child and our higher human brain is um like a parent 
And if we're not um, supervising it, it can cause a lot of damage. And that's essentially what I teach, teach you how to do is really start to observe the behavior of that primitive part of your brain that just wants wants what it wants in that moment. And it, it will do everything to try and get that, such as eating everything in sight. So that's how this is how it works. In the beginning, your main goal is to just start to become more aware. You really want to become more aware of what you're doing. Um, and a lot of times that won't really happen until after you have over like overeaten. Um, and now usually at this point, you're probably used to feeling a lot of guilt and shame and beating yourself up, but that isn't useful because if you're beating yourself up and you're being hard on yourself, you're not taking any time to learn from that experience. You're not asking yourself the questions that will give you the insight to your patterns and your habits if you're just beating yourself up afterwards. So you need to look back at that time and analyze it. Okay, I came home from work. I started binging. And your goal here is just to just study yourself. Ask yourself, what was I thinking? What was going on in that precise moment? I have a worksheet um, that's very pertinent to this where I ask... Um, or I give to my clients and I ask a series of questions after they have binged or overeaten so, then, so that they can get as much information out of that moment and start to change the patterns of binging instead of, letting, instead of just letting those patterns run on repeat automatically. So what happens after is you start to pay attention to yourself. My clients use this worksheet. And it just helps them become more aware. And then what starts to happen is when you're in the middle of a binge, it doesn't really feel like it's happening to you anymore because now what's like the behavior of it, it has become very illuminated. So when you start to pay attention what that does is it sets the stage to have the opportunity to do it differently each time that it's about to happen. So if you take the time to ask, okay, what was going on for myself there? Maybe I couldn't identify it in the moment, but now if I think back, what was the feeling that led up to it? And slowly, the more that you do that, the more it will shift your awareness during and in and before the moment of the, the urge to overeat. Then in the moment, you will be able to recognize what is happening. And you will have so much more awareness for yourself. And you do this without beating yourself up. And when you have that awareness in the moment is and what that does is it separates you from feeling from the feeling of being out of control. So it's like as if you're like watching yourself be out of control. 
And when you practice this, you get better at it. And then you can, you can start to notice when you feel that way ahead of time, ahead of time, instead of it just happening in the moment. But to get to that point, kindness to yourself is a requirement. Because what happens if there's a lot of shame and guilt is you just end up feeling worthless and it just makes you not even want to try. There's no way that you can heal from emotional eating and overeating by beating yourself up. You cannot hate yourself thin. As humans, we thrive on love. And if you try to hate yourself lit or hate yourself thin, you will just buckle under the pressure and it won't last. Now, in the beginning, those questions will be difficult to answer because you're already it's it's already such an unconscious habit. But if you keep studying yourself, you will become more conscious. Then you will start to, to um you will start to have that consciousness while you're doing it. And at that point, that consciousness transitions into being able to pause. And when you can pause, then you don't take the action of overeating. You're able to feel the urge. You're able to pause before actually eating the food. So then we start to become conscious during. And that's a whole new level. And then you can start to be much more preventative with it. Now, this isn't something that happens overnight. It's not just something you do once and boom, it changes everything. There is a very messy in-between. It's, it's going to be a process. But that's just what I can help you through, especially with my program. I can guide you through so that you don't fall back into those old habits. So once you learn to add this consciousness, it's imperative that you also learn how to manage the urge to eat. So what is an urge? An urge feels urgent. It's like, I need food, I need it right now, and I won't stop until I get it. And we are so used to answering these urges anytime that they come up because that's the pattern that we're in. Because not answering that urge feels really uncomfortable. And I will tell you that the secret to managing an urge is to be willing to let yourself feel uncomfortable, holding that space in your body for the discomfort. And when you do that, you will see that an urge is completely harmless. It's like the kid who cries wolf. It's, it's really harmless. There isn't actually a wolf, but if you believe him and freak out, then it causes damage, right? It's the same with the urge. It pretends to be important. The urge pretends to feel like an emergency. It's only when we follow through on it that it causes pain. <clears throat> it's like our brain is lying to us and it comes up with all these reasons about the food of why we need to get it. But really, it just creates negative consequences, what we don't want in our life. Feeling defeated, feeling bloated, feeling awful about ourselves. But when you can learn how to allow that urge to be in your body... You get really skilled at watching yourself feel and think. And as you get stronger, then you're able to say no. You get to, an, you get to a point where you feel a craving come on and you're like, I see you as an emergency, but you're not. And when you get to that point, there is just so much peace around it. And I want you to know that if you follow this process, you will need to put in some practice and effort. And it won't be easy in the beginning but I promise you it will be worth it. And this process is exactly 
the process that I teach in my program, and it works 100% of the time when it is followed 100% of the time for all of my clients. They have all said that the time and effort was worth it because they don't have that mental tug or with food anymore. An example that I can give you as one of my clients, she, she didn't even think, she couldn't even imagine a world where she didn't binge or have cravings anymore. And I remember feeling the same way. I didn't think I'd ever get over my struggle with food and weight loss and dieting. But I asked her, to, like, if she ever binges in the morning. And she said, no, it's usually later in the day. So I said to her, can you, um, you can feel, you can feel the same way. So I said, you can feel this about food the same way you feel about it first thing in the morning. Here's the thing. Most of us don't binge in the morning. We don't need to resist or push against it, like the craving, because we aren't in the pattern of binging in the morning. So it just goes to show how efficient our brain is at creating patterns and habits. And if you follow this process, you can change the patterns of the usual time that you binge. You can change your patterns around binging so you don't binge at all, right? Like, and most of my clients, they do binge either right after work or at nighttime, right? So if you can, the way that you feel about food in the first thing in the morning, if you can feel that way in the evening when you usually binge, that is freedom. And that is what I can help you create. So if that is something that you want, I would love for you to consider my program that I have and I teach you exactly how you can create that for yourself. If you want information on that, be sure to reach out to me on Instagram. I will put my handle in the show notes.